Welcome back everyone to season two of Commerce Talk with Smart OSC. Trust the bets that you put. I no longer feel like I need to fight for everything. Get there as soon as you can. Get to a place where you feel that you don't need to seek external validation. Hello everyone, you are very welcome back to another episode of Commerce Talk, the podcast that keeps you one step ahead. I am your host, Aziza O'Byrne, and more importantly, joining me today is a very special guest who I believe will bring you something very wonderful that you can take home with you today and keep with you for much longer than that. This person has over 20 years of experience around the globe in over 12 different industries. She has worked with some of the biggest global brands that we know. From Disney to Dyson, L'Oreal to Lazada, from Adidas to Alibaba, she has been all around the globe and with her she brings such a wealth of experience, insight and knowledge that we are getting an opportunity to step into. Today she is letting us walk in her world and she's going to delve into that journey and share with us the biggest learnings that she's had to date. Please join me in welcoming the very wonderful, the very inspiring May Lee. May Lee, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Aziza. Thank you so much for having me. I am super humble and excited to be here and sharing this conversation with you and Smart OSC. Thank you. And I have to say, I've probably only touched the tip of the iceberg when it comes to your career and your journey to date. So before we go back, I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind walking our listeners through a typical day in your life, given the various roles that you have. Sure. So um, a day in my life, there is no typical day, as we all know it. I think uh, I have two two young kids, so you typically I start my day with making sure that they are well fed, which is really important, and then I send them off to school, or I make sure that I am my my support system sends them to school, and then I'll start my day. Typically, I would um, start my day with either some time to plan out what I need to focus on and what I need to achieve, um, or I jump right into meetings. And the meetings typically are quite focused. They are about certain, con- you know, either it's a content discussion or it's about a uh, update or it's about a dialogue I need to have with a client or colleagues or um, industry contacts. And I, I work through my day and there will be all sorts of things that will come up throughout the day. And um, I learn, I grow, I um, challenge, I debate, and um, then I end my day generally with ideally dinner time with my family. Um, sometimes I do have to work through dinner and I try to be as efficient as possible. I think when you are a mom, um, you, you always try to maximize all the time that you have without the kids around so that you can be laser focused. That's a typical day for me. So usually um, I, I try to really prioritize the most important things in the first half of my day. And I like to use the afternoon for you know deeper thinking or content type of work. That's really wonderful. I love the deeper thinking side as well. We spoke briefly recently and what really stood out to me was given all of the various roles that you have and all the things that you do, What really struck me was the importance that you put on self-reflection and the time that you've been putting aside to do this kind of work. And I suppose this probably feeds into the deep thinking side in the afternoon that you have. I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the reflection work that you do, what it involves and what started you on this journey. Sure, certainly. So in terms of self-reflection, 
I have been on this journey of really being really working on my self-awareness, working on reflecting on all the different feedback experiences, et cetera, that I have, right? And the goal is always to be a better version of myself. And what self-reflection is to me is simply a active exercise that you do to become more clear about who you are and who you want to become. So there are two parts to self-reflection for me. First part is the internal intuition. And the internal intuition is about trusting our guts. So we all have intuitions that constantly talk to us, whether it's audible or visual or uh, sensory or you know other forms of um, the five senses. And it is up to us whether we listen to our intuition and whether we trust our intuition. So a lot of the work that I have been doing is really understanding, you know, what is my intuition telling me? How much should I trust my intuition? And and building a really healthy and strong relationship with myself, which allows me to trust the decisions that I make and also trust my gut feelings. And it has not proven me wrong at all since I have been, you know, practicing um, being more self-reflective and listening to my inner voice. So that's the first part. The second part, it's about external experiences, which is a key component of self-reflection. We are constantly interacting with people. We're constantly getting feedback, you know, and opinions, whether solicited or unsolicited. We constantly have everyone telling us what they think of us, what they, you know, what they want us to do, etc. Right. So there is this whole external experience that is happening where it's us against everything else and everyone else. And it's really important to take the time to reflect and process what you want to believe in and what you want to take away from all these different external interactions. So for me, I feel that my, my self-reflection never turns off. It's, it's always on. It may be running in the back if I'm actively doing something else, but I'm always collecting you know, different feedback different signals from people, from experiences, from um, uh, from different moments that I'm in. And when I have a moment to myself or at the end of the day, I will reflect back on all these different signals, experiences, and moments. And I will ask myself, what am I learning from, you know, what are the, ta- what, what are the takeaways? What would I have done differently? And how could I use this information to improve myself? So for me, I, I work on it looking within and also looking outward. And so self-reflection is something that I, uh, is super valuable for me because I feel that the, the world is constantly noisy. And when I actually self-reflect, it brings me a lot of peace and calmness and also clarity on, you know, everything around me. So, um, yeah, and, you know, I try meditation. It hasn't worked for me. I think uh, recently I have tried a active form of meditation, which involves walking. And that has worked really well because it allows me to actually have a, a purpose. I know I have a starting point and I have an end point. So I'm, I'm physically moving, but yet my mind is focused on quiet, you know, quiet, quieting my mind and meditating. And that, that has actually been really helpful for me. So I think uh, self-reflection, there's no right or wrong. Everyone does it differently. And for me, it involves a lot of time away, go on a trip by myself, being, um, being in um, doing activities that could give me 
make me feel balanced, like yoga, Pilates, or even、um, being in an environment where I'm surrounded by nature. And it can also be、um, being in a quiet space where I could just lay out all my different, you know, notebooks where I took、uh, take notes and reflect on all the different points of intersections. Wow, that's powerful and. An incredible thing to do, really, because it can be very hard and it can be very difficult to take that time. But the rewards that you receive from taking that time come in in so many different ways, and it's almost as, or it could be seen as being as important as drinking water every day. <laughs> so it's really wonderful to hear from your own experience. You know how it is, the value that it brings to your life, how it's interwoven into your life. The value that you place on it and the time that you put aside for it.、Um, I'm wondering if we were to take a step back and look at the version of yourself that started this self-reflection journey, and the person who sits across from me today. What would you say have been some of the most valuable lessons that you have learned? And if I was to imagine you going into the future with a toolbox, what new tools have been added to that toolbox、uh, from this experience?、Mm. Yeah, fantastic question. And not an easy question to answer, I would say.、Um, I will share some of my experiences. So I, I am currently on a personal transformation journey, where I am receiving a lot of coaching. I am also actively working on all the different gaps that I have identified in myself as a person, as a executive, as a woman, as a mom, etc. And it is. Such a fascinating state stage to be in, and I'm so excited to go through this journey because I know that a few months from today I will be in such a miraculous place where I will be a better version of myself. And it's a continuous work in progress version, but it is the next iteration, right? So to answer your question in terms of Um, you know this this journey, and what are some you know if I look at myself today and where I was before, and what are some toolkits I can bring with me or、um, share that would be beneficial to others? I would say there are there are a few that that have served me well. For something is understanding your past. I have been investing in quite a lot of. In a lot of self reflection, in a lot of therapy, in a lot of like processing, reading books, etc., to understand my past. And my past is not complicated. My past is one that is fairly straightforward. In fact, it's your typical immigrant story. I immigrated to America. I had to learn English. I had to learn how to fight for survival. I had to find my place. You know, in terms of my career, I have to. Establish myself from someone who has no expertise to someone who has expertise, right? And throughout this journey, I realized that a lot of how we are, how we are conditioned to behave today, is a direct result of our past experiences. And if I think about my past, it has my identity has always been defined by my career. And without a job, without a career. I was not worthy. I am nobody, and that was me before. And it took me twenty years to finally recognize that actually, without the title, without the job, without the prestige, anything, I'm actually still worthy, and I am more. You know, I'm more than than a career. I'm more than a job. And I think this this process, you know, takes 
you know, some people a long time to get to. But um, but I think it's an important process, right? Understanding your self worth, understanding your identity, and understanding what actually uh, roots you and grounds you. And so for me, I no longer feel like I need to fight for everything, and I don't need. I no longer feel like I need to please people and seek external validation. And that was me for twenty years, right? And so I think the first tool in this, you know, treasure box of mine is. Get there as soon as you can. Get to a place where you feel that you don't need to seek external validation, and you still love yourself, and you still feel so good and so proud of yourself because you know your story, you know your strengths, and you accept all the gaps about who you are, and you still feel confident about your self worth. I think getting there is, you know, if I have gotten there sooner. And not take not have taken twenty years. I think I would have be you know achieve even more as a person and as a professional. So that that would be my first the first thing. Second thing I would say is um, so the first first thing is get you know understanding your path, um, getting to to a place where you don't need to see external validation. The second thing I would say is align your values with your actions. I couldn't tell you how simple it sounds, but it's it's so hard to execute. Many of us know that we value family, we value travel, we value X Y Z. But then, if you actually unpack your life and you look at your actions and your behaviors, most of the time, people are not living their life according to their values and according to their principles because they're going after something else that is driven by fear, by anxiety, by society's expectations of you. So again, I've been on this journey where I have been finding, you know, closing the gap between what I value and how I behave, and where I actually spend my time and what I actually spend my time on. I'm happy that I am finally closing that gap in my life and in my career and in, you know, in everything that I do, and it makes me so much happier. So that's that's the second thing that I would say it has been life changing for me on this journey. And then the last thing is really about identifying what are your intentions. Because if we don't dream, we will never even have a chance to make our dreams possible, right? So I have been intentionally carving out more space for myself to actually dream. And it's not about daydreaming. It's about if I have no fear, no anxiety, and I can do anything I want to do. What 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 would that be? And what kind of big problems I would be solving that would actually align with my values? That would actually make me wake up every day and be excited. And I think I finally found what that is for myself. And I am exploring, you know, going further into exploration. And that is really exciting. And sometimes it takes a while to identify what that thing is. But when you find it. It really lights up your world, and so I am on a super high vibration right now from an energy perspective because I feel like all my hard work on self reflection, on personal growth, they are actually paying off because I am seeing bright spots lighting up everywhere. You know, I can feel that energy coming through, and it's so refreshing to have this conversation with you, right? Because it just shows that if you just take a step back, if you step. Back and take that time to reflect. So many good things can come from it. It's not just about waking up in the morning and thinking, "What do I need to do? What needs to be done next?" It's about kind of carving out that time 
and that space to look back because it brings so much more to you. And, you know, what you say about values, I'm really interested in that. I think that will hit home for a lot of people because you're right, there is that surface level understanding of what our values are. And I'm wondering, you know, what was it for you or how did you get beneath that surface level? Was it by going back and rewriting your past and looking at the trends that you saw in your own values? Or how did you go about figuring those out? And what was the moment for you? Yeah, um, it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic uh, question. And I think everyone will have a different trigger point to set them off on their personal growth journey. And for me, it was friction. And as we all know, without pain, without challenges, without friction, there's no change and there's no growth. Some of the kindest people are actually the people who have experienced the most trauma in life, right? We all kind of knew, probably know at least one person who, who, is, who fits to check that box. And so for me, um, I think having children really changed me because I realized how fragile life is. And I have two really tough pregnancies. I have two almost, I have an impossible journey to becoming a mother. And I didn't even think that I would be a mother. And now I'm a mother of two. So, you know, I call them my marigold babies. And they, they, they make me realize that life is super fragile. On the other hand, I have aging parents. They're in their 70s. One of them is in bad health. And it made me realize that life is truly short. And of course, being the extremely cynical person that I am, sometimes I read a lot of news about, you know, bad things happening to good people and out of nowhere. And then it really, it really makes, it really hit me hard, right? In terms of at the end of the day, we, we all come in into this world by ourselves. We're going to exit by ourselves. And what do we, what do we leave behind, right? It's not the material things that we leave behind. It is the memories, the impact, and essentially our legacy. And of course, if you, you know, you can focus on your most immediate loved ones, which could be your family members, your, your kids, and then it can spread to your friends, your community, and then it can spread further into the world, right? Impacting even strangers. And so depending on your motivation, your ambition, your intentions, you can be as impactful as you want to be. And for me, what really triggered me on this journey is my constant pursuit to be better, a better person, a better thinker, a better communicator, a better mother, a better wife, a better friend. And that, that has been, that, that, that's what has been motivating me to go on this journey. And, and it's, it's amazing. And of course, I have a lot of different kinds of challenges as a female. You know, earlier on, I was, I was in engineering. I was a young female manager in engineering. And I had tons of challenges gaining respect, gaining credibility, and also being effective as a manager for the first time. And then that triggered me on a journey to learn how to actually manage people. What does it mean to be a leader? What does it mean for me to actually, um, you know, have impact on someone else's career, right? And fast forward to now, I think um, the, the, the journey is, is more about how can I actually work on being the best in what I do and in who I am so that I can bring that, bring, bring my best to the, to the companies, to the people that I touch. So it's really motivated by that. 
there's something really beautiful in despite everything you wonder well how do I bring the best not just for myself but for the people that I directly impact and you know there's something very strong as well in facing those fears you mentioned about you know being a mother and your parents I'm so sorry to hear that but the the fears that you don't expect to see around the corner because we have so many fears day to day in life and we focus maybe on those fears a lot more you know the fear of well what does this person think of me in the room or did I do a good enough job today or is this brand campaign going to make a big enough impact but really it's actually those fears that you didn't even think about that come around and you have to face them and that's where kind of some of the biggest growth and learning comes from and you have to put yourself in that position to face that head on and it's scary but it brings another side of thinking. Um, I was really touched by another guest that we had on the show who I asked him you know if he could go back in time or what was the one thing in his career that he wish he knew sooner and he spoke about the value of interdisciplinary or cross-disciplinary learning and how he wished that he stepped outside of his linear path to learn more around him. And when I look at your career to date, you know, thinking of the person who stepped out of her BA in marketing and went into Disney straight away uh, as a search engineer manager, that's such a big leap. And and what I see is a person who took themselves out of their comfort zone and learned so much around them. And I want to know, how important was it for you to step out of your comfort zone while you were carving out this career and I would say evolving with this digital landscape that was evolving alongside you, you're both kind of budding up and growing up together. How important was it to step out of comfort? Mm, Yeah, yeah. So for me, I have um, three principles when it comes to my career and just how I normally operate professionally. That, and, and these are the guiding principles that have served me really well. The first principle is fail early and fail fast. It's kind of a copy of like high, you know, hire fast and fire fast. If you're going to, you know, make any decision on people. Um, it's the same thing with myself. I have always told myself, and this is some advice that one of my early uh, mentors gave me, which is if you're going to try something and you, you think you're going to fail, do it early and do it fast. Don't wait until you're like, you know, feel completely safe and secure to try something new because you don't want to fail. So I have taken this advice to heart. And every time I want to do something new or I'm curious about something and I know that there is a high failure way, I go all in because I know either I will come out being a strong, stronger or I will learn something from it if, even if I fail. So fail fast and fail hard early on is the first principle that I I operate uh, under. Second principle is always choose hard. So throughout my career, I have been presented with different opportunities, different options, many different types of situations. And I have always, naturally, I always want to choose the easy way. I think that's human nature, right? Why do you want to put yourself through so much pain and go through hardship and you know, because it's uncomfortable and it's, it's, um, it's, it's not something you want to do to, you know, for fun. But for me, I always have um, 
If I can give in two options, easy and hard, I always choose the hard option. And the second principle is because when you choose hard, it will teach you far more about your, yourself and it will also toughen you up so that when you're faced with easy situations, you don't even have to like think too hard and you don't have to breathe too hard. It will, you will just breathe through. And if you're, if you're presented with tough situations in the future, you're actually prepared for it, right? It's just like military training. Do you want, you want the military that has been training hard consistently, or do you want one that has been training, you know, going on like a slow pace, um, thinking that they will, they will never go into a war and fight. So for me, I have always been training hard in, um, in the background, preparing for, you know, doom day. And the doom day fortunately has never happened, but I'm always ready. And I, and, and because of that principle, I am usually either a strong performer or I am always prepared in most situations and in most environments. And that has helped me quite a bit. And then the last principle that I operate and believe in is, is um, this, this notion of always put your own bets on the future. Because we all have perspectives, we all have intuitions, we all know what may happen in the future, right? So for me, I have always bet on one or two trends or changes that are happening in the world or, on or, or in the industry, and I go all in. So first time I did that was search engine optimization. I was the first person that was hired by Disney to build a enterprise SEO program. I was the first person that actually established, you know, SEO. And back then there's, there's no, there's no one even touching SEO. There are no jobs for even people with SEO skill sets. And Google was just up and coming, right? Nobody knew what algorithms, search engines, spiders, what, what, that, what those things mean. So for me, um, I have always been fairly spot on on the bets that I have made. And I think they have pay off and set me on a good trajectory. So, Trust the bets that you put, just like gambling. It's, you know, half luck, half, you just have to go for it, right? And just believe in something and hopefully you will get it right. I see there, you know, you spoke earlier about uh, having intuition. And what I see is that it is a muscle that you've been building over the years. Because when you talk about, you know, doing SEO, being the first to do SEO in Disney back then, you had that intuition and you've just been building that muscle over the years, which is incredible. Um, I'd like to tap into the future and talk about those emerging trends that you kind of mentioned there. And I know you are a member of the consumer practice in Singapore at Boston Consulting Group. And I'd really like to look at consumer behavior and, you know, what are some of the biggest shifts that you've noticed in consumer behavior over the last few years? You know, if we look from the change that you've seen in yourself to looking outward now at the change that you are witnessing in others, what have been some of those changes in consumers and how do you think it will impact e-commerce in the future? Yeah. Yeah. So I love that question. Um, I think the question can be answered depending on which part of the world we're looking at, right? I think that, you know, since I have spent most of my time, my career in the beginning in the US, and then I moved to Asia, um, and I have traveled in Europe as well, and also, you know, been exposed to more um, of a, a global type of environment, I definitely notice a lot of different nuances in consumers in different parts of the world. But if I focus on just Southeast Asia, for example, 
what I'm seeing in this region is extremely robust growth coming up for e-commerce. Uh, we don't need to like quote numbers. Those are easy to find everywhere, right? But what I'm seeing here is that when it comes to e-commerce, U.S. is the most mature. Europe, I would say, you know, a bit behind, more behind than U.S., but Asia is far more advanced, but in a different way. And, you know, taking China aside, if you look at Southeast Asia, the population is highly mobile. Everyone is actually fairly trained on e-commerce and comfortable with e-commerce. And being in, you know, countries like Singapore, cybersecurity is one of the top fields in, in Singapore. So so there's there's a lot of emphasis on like trust and safety and digital security. So people are generally trust buying online. Um, I would say from a consumer perspective, there are definitely a lot of behavior changes pre-COVID, post-COVID. But in general, there is a general acceptance of uh, e-commerce. But it doesn't mean that offline is going away. In fact, people are actually spending more time going offline shopping and spending time in malls and shops than online after COVID. So we're so we're consumers. I think are they're moving to a, towards a place where they value flexibility, convenience, and also transparency. We're no longer in a world where it's a it's a black box where you know you don't really things don't integrate and talk to each other. We're going into a world where everything is definitely more integrated. You know, you can have a single view of the customer. You can have a single view of you know the journey. You can have a single view of the entire business, online and offline. And businesses are catering to consumers who are multi-dimensional, multi-channel, and also have complex um, expectations. Yeah, it's the the complexity in it is what's so interesting. And, you know, I'd like to look at that because, and I hate using the word mistakes, but there is a new wave, and I don't know if I should call it a new wave, of consumers. We have new needs, you know, the flexibility, the convenience, the safety, the trust. And it's almost time for people to not presume they know our needs better than us. Um, and maybe for them to listen to us. And so with that, are you seeing in your experience or have you seen any common mistakes? And again, I don't know if I should call them mistakes, but um, any common mistakes that businesses or brands make when they are trying to reach new consumers? Yeah, yeah. So maybe instead of calling them mistakes, we can say, you know, what are some um, tactics, right? And strategies that com- companies are using um, to really be a step ahead of the consumer, right? Yeah, well said. And so, you know, as a marketer, looking at what other what what companies are doing, generally speaking, I would say that the best the best marketers and the best companies out there are actually investing time in consumer insights, and they are not defaulting to you know the general demographic, the general behavior audience data, and also whatever is generic out there. They actually are harnessing their first party data. They're going many layers deeper. They're thinking through the entire, you know, customer experience and how it matches with the marketing funnel and the journey and how it actually intersects with the different types of platforms a consumer may actually be on throughout this journey. And they're thinking through it a lot more strategically and all of their decisions and marketing strategies are informed by insights and data. I would say that's closer to best in class. And of course, the ones that are not are the ones that are, you know, have, have a lot more work to do. 
Um, but but I would say that you know, kind of to your point earlier, consumers now are so complex; they are everywhere, and we are no longer in a world where consumers have a linear path to purchase. We're no longer in a world where consumers, you know, have like a single layer, right?、Um, expectations, etc. There are multiple levels of complexities, and sometimes consumers want it all. So, how do you actually cut through the noise, get to the heart of the what consumers want, and also the right set of consumers who will actually be、um, receptive and loyal to your brand? I think that that's the hardest challenge for marketers today. Even though we have tons of data, we have tons of tools, and we have lots of personalization, almost we have to go back to the basics because things have gotten too complicated and too crowded. So we need to actually, you know, add some filtering to really. Get the noise out and go back to the basics of what you know, what we're truly working with in terms of consumer mindset, consumer needs. Who is this person, and why would they actually care about my brand or my product? Yeah, you know what? It's almost like we're taking a full circle in this conversation because it might be valuable, or we could say that it is. There could be some value in brands, businesses taking a step back and reflecting. Yeah, <laughs> and actually. Uncovering or learning what it is that their values are,、exactly. and what their dreams are, right for the future, for growth, and you know, is there value in taking a step back? Because it's so busy out there. There's so much noise. There's so much going on. Exactly, and I think that you know, if if we if I had to say a mistake that a lot of companies make, it's really just going through the daily grind. Just running a bunch of campaigns and you know churning out a bunch of dashboards and churning out a bunch of reports and looking at like so many different metrics from like you know CTR, CTR, conversion rate, add to cart, right? All those metrics. And at the end of the day, they're just metrics. And if you purely look at those, right? They're they're great as indicators, but they will actually not tell you more than simply past actions, right? So I think there's a huge opportunity to actually, like you said. For companies to take a step back, reflect on truly which stage of need are they serving the consumers, and how to actually meet those needs in a way that is beyond just transactional campaigns and just checking the box on the metrics. Right. I really admire your point of view, and I'm I'm sure a lot of listeners will. And even to just say that, to just be honest, put it out there, it's busy. There's a lot of buzzwords. Let's just go back to basics. Let's focus on. What we do well, what the customers need. Um, so thinking about customer needs, the future, and emerging trends. What are, if we go back to what you mentioned about putting your bets on a couple of emerging trends, what are two emerging trends that you're looking at at the moment that you might share with our listeners? Any insights or anything that you see coming down the line that might be valuable for people to know? Yeah. So for me, um, so this is my personal opinion. These are my personal interests. Uh, first emerging trend is the marriage of marketing and AI. This is a trend that I have actually started looking into five years ago. In fact, I even applied to a PhD program with the thesis of leveraging AI to solve the future of marketing, and、um, and that was something that I I already put my bet on five years ago. So it will continue to be a bet that I will make in the into the future. The you know I think. The way that marketing has been done and how it's done with the, with technology today have、um, been fantastic. It, it has gotten a lot of businesses to where they are today, and it 
you know, bridge the gap between brands and consumers. But I think in this, you know, in the next decade, AI will definitely change how marketing is done fundamentally and what what it even means, right? And how do you do responsible marketing with AI in a way that actually is not invasive, right? And so I think that's something that I, I find super fascinating, super interesting. So that's something I'm definitely going to just continue to pay a lot of attention to as a, as a trend and as a topic to learn. The second trend that I am um, super fascinated by is consumer activities cross borders. I think that a lot of us work within our borders. So like if I'm, if I'm selling something, right, I, I focus on like selling in my country or in, in my region. But I think in the future, there will be a lot of activities and cross-border uh, commerce between U.S., Southeast Asia, Asia, Middle East, etc., to bring the world together and uh, through commerce. So a lot of the trends that we see in Southeast Asia, I expect will get exported out to the U.S., and a lot of things that and a lot of innovations that come from Southeast Asia are also expected to actually leave Southeast Asia and continue to grow and make an impact outside of SEA into other countries. So I think there will be a lot of cross-border type of activities and innovations happening. And that's something that um, I'm really excited about. Yeah. And even if we look at the point of view of consumers, I think you're bang on there because uh, from our point of view, from what we see, there are no boundaries. There is no borders in the digital space. Yes. What we consume, how we have access to everything worldwide. Exactly. So it's very interesting and I think very beneficial for businesses, for marketeers, for leaders to look at it in that way as well in the future. That, you know, the way we view things is without border, without boundary. Um, Going into then the future business leaders of tomorrow, if we look at that toolkit, again, that toolbox, in light of these trends or possible emerging trends, what do you think are some of the most important tools for business leaders to pack in that tool toolkit uh, heading into these emerging trends and potentially other emerging trends? Mm. Um, I think there are two that, that come to mind. First is think global and act local, which is something that you know you may have heard before. But I think every marketer, every um, everyone who is in the business world, right? We need to not be confined by our uh, short-term vision or or short-term view, right? We have to really pay attention to what's happening everywhere in the world and be, have an open mindset and think about how can we, whatever business you have, whatever industry you're in, think about how can I actually take my business outside of my local country? How can I actually dream bigger? How can I make this bigger? How can I reach more consumers who are beyond, you know, my, my own border, right? Because the truth is that there are many archetypes of consumers everywhere in the world, and they are typically repeated in every single country. So whatever consumer you consumers you're going after as a business in your own country, you will find multipliers of these consumers outside in other parts of the world as well. So my favorite question lately is whatever what with whatever I'm doing or thinking, I'm constantly asking myself, 
How can it be bigger? How can it be better? Because when you keep pushing, if you ask yourself that like five times, you will come up with a bigger answer and a better answer. You can only gain from asking this question. So yes,、yeah, so the first one is really about thinking global, and then the second one is really about partnership. I think that. We cannot be a you know be a master in everything, and there are many many brilliant people out there in this world.、Uh, whether it is people you want to work with, co find co find companies together, or、uh, partner together as、um, you know as company、uh, vendors, etc. Right. So I think、um, for me, the second tool that I would say is get there faster together with. Uh, complementary partners who can actually, you know, help help you walk on this journey、um, together. Because if you go by yourself, you'll definitely go slower. So partnership is key.、Um, find the right partners to help supplement, you know, what you don't know or what you don't have. Exactly. We are social beings. It's in our nature. It's in our instincts. We should not do these things alone. We should not try to do these things alone. As a final question, I would like to ask if you were to time travel. Or go back in time and meet your f- former self, your past self, your younger self. If you were to see this version of yourself, be it the person who stepped out with a BA in marketing in Oregon, or any other version, what piece of advice would you offer to your younger self? I love this question. It's a question I reflect on all the time.、Um, the advice that I would give to my younger self. Is be the same person to everyone you meet. I think many of us we have different personalities. We have different presence, right, with different people that we meet because we have we wear many different hats. So I think ultimately, if I have to tell myself, you know, something I wish I knew, it would be try to be try to get to a place where you can be the same person at work. At home to strangers, and when you're by yourself, because I truly believe that you know when you are unified version of yourself everywhere, you will be a happier person, and you will be a more effective person, and also you will, you will have a lot more energy because you no longer have to hide a certain aspect of yourself or pretend that you know to be someone that you're not, or trying to be a version to just fit into your work environment, or try to you know be a person, be be someone that someone else wants you to be. Right, so、um, I think that for me, that's the journey I'm on, and I wish I started this journey even earlier because it would conserve a lot more energy <laughs> if I started this journey earlier. And、um, I just couldn't be more excited that I, you know, I am on this journey to、um, unify myself so that I am the same person everywhere. It sounds so easy and simple, but it is probably one of the hardest things that I have to. Tackle in my personal journey. I'm gonna say this now. I think you're probably one of the first people I've met who goes against that stream of advice, which is fake it until you make it. It's okay <laughs> to be yourself. It's okay to just show up as you are everywhere you go. That's all right. You don't have to fake it. Yes, and it's okay to not know something, and it's okay to, you know, be who you are because the world is big enough. There will always be someone and、um, and and a company that will embrace all that you are. And people are on a journey. We are never constant, right? 
So even if you are not, you know, don't have it together today, it doesn't mean that you are not going to be the best of the best tomorrow. So I think that we don't need to, you know, see external validation. We don't need to be someone we don't feel reflects who we are. I think um, when we when we are ourselves, that's when we can be. We can offer our best thinking and our best uh, contribution in society. And with that, I think that is a wonderful way to end things here. Meili, I cannot thank you enough for the time that you've given us, for the value that you've brought us and for the light and great energy that you've shared with us. Thank you so much for joining us here on Commerce Talk. We are delighted to have you. Thank you so much for having me and all the best. there we have it another brilliant guest here on commerce talk what a time that was i have a feeling that a lot of us are going to be going back and replaying that podcast episode a few times because may lee is simply just magic and with that i'm gonna leave you i'm gonna say goodbye until next time i am your host aziz oburn this is commerce talk we are smart osc you can follow us on linkedin or you can find us on smartosc.com check out our brand new beautiful website where you can listen to more episodes like this or you can go through all of our blogs or you can see all of the brilliant offerings that we have smartosc.com until next time we wish you the very best Bye.